Listening to FBI 94.5, and this is Canvas, a show about art and ideas created by a team of artists. We are broadcasting live from the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to our Indigenous listeners and their elders, past and present. My name is David Capra, and I'm joined today by our producer, Aurora Scott. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning. Sans Nat. Nat, where's Nat? Nat is at a Proximity Festival in Perth. Did you remember what she was telling us she was going to do? I, th- I remember she was talking about getting the locals to reveal deep, dark secrets and then that being plastered on a big screen in... In, in the middle of Perth. That's what I heard. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. I'm just trying to remember. But yeah, I think... I think that is the premise of it. I I think that she is filmed live and Ah. people get to spend uh, 10 minutes with her and ask her whatever they want. And then that's that's um, broadcast. I can't wait to hear more about that. And (laughs) Abdul is at a wedding. Yeah, he's at a wedding in, in Byron Bay, which in Byron Bay. very nice. And what did you get up to this week? You've been seeing, you've been at Tina. I've been at Tina and that's what uh, we're going to be talking about today. Um, I've been at Tina, which is, this is not art festival, um, which takes place in Newcastle. And I think it's in its uh, 21st year now. Wow. Um, and it comprises of the National Young Writers Festival, Critical Animals and Crack Theatre Festival. Um, and it kind of, it, it's just this um, time that spreads over uh, 20 venues throughout these kind of different spaces in, in Newcastle. And um, it's all completely free, which is pretty amazing. And you went and saw the Tracy Moffat show down there is that right yeah yeah so while which wasn't part of tina but while i was there i checked out um newcastle museum which was excellent and they have the tracy moffat montages um exhibition which we talked about earlier in the year because we interviewed gary hilberg yes that was a great interview an editor extraordinaire really incredible editor and they have this wonderful collaboration um they've been working together for about 20 years or 15 years um, and they had all of the, the complete works that they've been working on um, and the one that I had never seen before which was really amazing which maybe you've seen before it was called the, ve- the very first one and it was called Lip have you seen that? I love Lip it's it- fantastic so is that the one where women of colour portrayed in film um, and it's just kind of edited together and there's great scenes from Gone with the Wind and yeah, um, yeah it's fantastic. Yeah, I think, yeah, the ones from Gone with the Wind are really great. It's, mm. it's kind of uh, women of colour who are talking back to their employees. Yes. So that it's kind of like the work and they're like, um, yeah, and they're, they're given lip to mm. their bosses mm. um, and it goes for about 10 minutes and it's hilarious and yeah. And I heard that you saw a, a little sleeping Abdul in the in, in the museum. <laughs> oh, Abdul! So so we we did a we did a panel at um, Tina as part of Critical Animals Canvas mm. curated a panel, and um, it was on at ten a.m. and Abdul got a train up. I think he got the five thirty train. Oh my gosh! Good on him. He was so uh. tired. Um, I left him in a bean bag in front of a Tracy Moffat <laughs> film in Newcastle uh, Museum. Uh, art gallery so yeah and he just said just just leave me <laughs> <laughs> i was on holiday what? this week oh, i um i to? went and visited my mother who lives up in um in maxville up up the coast i was taking my dog tina back to her because tina lives between me and mum actually oh. <laughs> and tina goes out and has holidays <laughs> with my mum and then comes back and um it was so funny to see her. Um, she was she shares her backyard with kangaroos. She was wow. barking at these kangaroos like they were cats. They were like 12 times <laughs> the size of her. Well, she came such in a, last week. She's pretty feisty. She is feisty. And um, it was a, it's such a different pace up there. I went also and visited my artist friend, Frances Bell Parker in McLean, which was beautiful. But it was so... Um, it, it, I just felt like the stress just oozed off me as soon as I arrived. It was wonderful. Is that on the coast? Um, It's a little bit inland near the northern, like the northern rivers area, basically. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It's very beautiful. 
Who's curating our tracks? Well, it's our very final week. We've had a, a month-long curation from Post Motel. Um, so we're, we're going to get to the first track. But before that, um, one of the main events that happens at This Is Not Art Festival is um, readings. And so I went to a poetry reading yesterday and I made a recording. Um, it was a, re a lunchtime reading that took place in the incredibly beautiful um, Newcastle Civic Theatre. Uh, and so this is, this is a poem by the poet uh, Stephen James Finch. I am Stephen Finch, and I am reading you a poem called The Dance Floor in Gertrude Stein's House, which I'm sure looks great too. You had already found love by the time I wrote you a love letter. I cut out colours in the shape of a home, and a home's shape is smaller than one might think, and a positive force. As the source of the river is water, so love dives in. To dive is first to stand at a very tall height, Begin breathing, and then let go of breath. We shared a meal once, head first, because ahead is a race that itself is winning. Each furious step, each ragged breath, each hand in the making of a child. A child's writing style is as intimate and individual as passiviformes, or the pressing of one's tongue into clay. The development of style is linked to one's approach in life. Am I no better than they? That I would sink into the sky of those that love you and through our correspondence slowly become a shape that once lived.
You are listening to Canvas Art and Ideas on FBI Radio 94.5. <laughs> that was uh, that was poet Stephen James Finch, followed by our first track from curating artist Post Motel. That was I Am a Pony by the local Sydney band Coda. So Canvas presented a panel at Tina uh, called Artist Led as part of the Critical Animals program over the last few days. And we spoke to curator Sabrina Sukalik and artist Zoe O. Mahoney about ways that artists actively critique structures they operate within from boycotting of large-scale exhibitions to hijacking publications. And alongside our discussion, we played pre-recorded interviews with artists. And one of these interviews was with Melbourne-based artist, blogger, uh, Nadi Solo, whose work explicitly deals with gossip and the pretension in the art world. And Nat, uh, Nat Randall, our Nat, interviewed her a few weeks ago, which I really enjoyed this interview. I was doing some work for Canberra Contemporary Art Space. They have social pages. And um, so I started writing and I was enjoying it. And then I just thought that there was a little bit of a hole in, well, not in the, not that it's a market thing, but you know, every time you go to an art opening, you run into some friend who was doing a PhD and really hating on <laughs> writing about art. Yep. And I just sort of started thinking about the idea of enjoying writing about art rather than... I'm pretty dark on sort of the institutionalisation of artists. So I think that I just wanted to reclaim this space and just be like, you know... You can write about art and culture and enjoy it, and it do, and you can do it outside of universities, and maybe that's a good place for it to exist. So yeah, I started doing that. So it's probably about two, three years ago. Can you describe uh, what you talk about in your blog? Um, and the so tone of it, of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of celebratory, like I love art and culture. It's kind of quite conversational. It's slightly punk, but in a kind of informed way. And I like the idea of irreverence and it being smart, but to speak about art in a way that um, people that aren't educated educated at university and it can can still understand so I try and sort of boil everything down so that anyone reading about it could understand it Mm -hmm. so you know sort of not trying to avoid jargon or sending simultaneously sending the jargon up because art jargon is pretty bullshit (laughs) and it's also pretty funny so I also really try and look for the jokes because I don't think that the art world is very good at laughing at itself, and I think that it would be a, a lot better place if it could laugh at itself a bit more. Do you do you like the art world? Um, I simultaneously, I guess, love it and loathe it. Like, I definitely think it could be better. I don't like the pretension about it, but I... I do feel like um, I'm afforded a life that I wouldn't have. I meet really incredible people Mm. through art, Um, mostly artists and some curators and um, some academics. Um, But I think that there's some stuff going on at the moment that's making it a bit more difficult. Mostly to do with, you know, funding. And I think there are attacks 
on art and culture from the government. And um, I think that that's playing out in a really weird sort of way. Um, yeah. Think... No one's got any money, you know, so it there's a lot of talk about money that I find pretty disturbing because money doesn't make culture. Artists make culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, And I don't think that artists are greedy people. I think that we just need little bits of money to continue on our merry way and, you know, give it a red hot go. What do you reckon? Yeah. What do you reckon could make arts and culture thrive, or what what could better support arts and culture? Do you think? Well, I think um, I think institutions could do a, a often a much better job of supporting artists. I think that arts organisations are often. Um, you know, pretty happy for you to do a, a lot of the work. I think that they could sort of muck in a bit more. And I think that there needs to be more art shows, there needs to be more art galleries, there needs to be more theatres, there needs to be more opportunities for people. So I think that there's a bit of... It's a really, really competitive scene right now because there's a huge amount of artists, as there should be, but there's not so many opportunities for artists. So I think that there just needs to be more opportunities. Um, yeah. We're here trying to get the goss on the art scene. Do you have any gossip you can reveal? Gossip. <laughs> art or gossip? <laughs> um, <laughs> whoa. I mean, I did an artwork called The Sex Tree. Yeah. That I sort of looked at. Gossip. I was but, trying to find my name on the map, but um, what is it? Like a, a kind of family tree, but a kind of spider web slash, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure, yeah. It's sort of like a memory map of who I can remember having had sexual relations with other people. So it's sort of, it's a celebration of sexual intercourse between consenting adults. But um, lots of people, it was a really great conversation starter because actually there's lots and lots of people in the room who knew a lot more than I did. So then they were talking about that. So that was good. But, I mean, it's sort of a little bit gossipy. I know that some people didn't really like that aspect of it, but I think (laughs) that gossip is underrated, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it speaks to the human experience. Well, there's whole industries that are based on gossip. Women's magazines, for instance. But how do you mitigate it from being kind of violent or inappropriate? Yeah, I think tone, you know. Yeah. If there's nastiness involved, I think that that's unnecessary. But if it's, yeah, if it's some harmless fun, I think that it can be quite levelling. Like I stuff. really want another piece of gossip. Feel like just one other, just one other piece, down. one other piece of gossip, please. Um, shit. <laughs> Christian Thompson met oh. Prince Philip, mm-hmm. and Prince Philip said to him, "Are you a painter?" <laughs> and he said, "No, no, more photos, videos, performance." And Prince Philip kind of looked at him weird and said, "Oh." There you go. I heard that just last night. Is that it? That's it. I love the non. I love the non response. Is very lovely. Hugh Jackman is very lovely. Where did Hugh Jackman come from? Christian Thompson met him. I think he was also at. I think it was at Buckingham Palace. Oh my God! Christian Thompson is meeting all of the celebs. I know we're we're about running out of time, but I just want to, <laughs> I just want to ask you, and this is kind of yeah. a, a, a shift in tone, but I just want to ask you about art, arts journalists, and what do you think about where we're at? We've talked about the the kind of value of gossip, but where do you think we are yeah. in terms of arts journalism? Well. 
you know, I think it's based on infomercial. I think that not many people are saying sort of very exciting things. And often I've been to a show and then I read the review of it and it's sort of like all of the life and spirit has been boiled out of it and kind of siphoned somehow off that none of the pure joy of what the exhibition represented is left in the words. So that really disturbs me. I think that there's still a patriarchal tone quite often that's um, really obvious in art writing in this country. And, yeah, I think there's lots of infomercial writing in, in art magazines, etc., where, you know, the, the commercial art gallery takes out advertisements and then that's the person or a person from that stable then gets reviewed in very favourable terms. So I think that that's clear conflict of interest and undermines the sort of idea of, you know, the power of words to be honest and open. And I think that the conversation, which is a really remarkable space, you know, it's so informed. But if you look at the quality of art writing on that, I don't think it's particularly strong. And I think it's an indication that I think that art needs to graduate itself from university. I think university has accidentally, or maybe accidentally on purpose, institutionalised a generation of artists, and that artists need to be not institutionalised. We need to be people who work outside of institutions. That's our strength. <laughs>
You are listening to Canvas Art and Ideas on FBI Radio 94.5. Within TINA, Critical Animals is a creative research symposium for students, researchers, writers, artists, thinkers, and curious individuals who are engaged with creative and experimental art practices. We are currently joined on the phone by one of its current co-curators, Julia Mendel. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. No um, Julia, you're now in the, the fourth and final day of Critical Animals. Um, what's been a highlight of this year's program for you? Um, it, has been, it has been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, there's so many great things that have happened over the weekend. Um, definitely um, have to mention these Romans are crazy, how asterisks and obliques can help us understand the age of alternative facts which was a performance lecture yesterday by Matt Abotomy. Um, and it all centred around how um, the comparison between Trump and Hitler and just questioning where our, um, I guess, information comes from and how these opinions form, um, yeah, between groups of people. Um, it was really fantastic and he had, um, yeah, a really humorous bent to the whole thing. Um, how yeah, did, so how did asterisks come into it? <laughs> um, I guess looking at how the the comic um, also fictionalised the um, war between the Gauls and the Romans and how that comparison can um, be reflected in today's politics. Oh, right. Um, Julia, I was interested in in asking what questions are you as programmers uh, asking when when programming and putting together such events? How did you arrive at this year's theme, which is criticism in action? Yeah, well, every year we have a theme um, that we promote during our call for proposal period, which is uh, February, March. And the idea is there to get people thinking about how they would um, frame their work. Um, so for us as programmers, it's not to have people um, alter what their research is, but just to, I guess, frame it so it's um, topical and we can create links between people's, um, people's research and people's practices. Um, and I think criticism in action was something um, we arrived upon. Um, there's a lot spoken about um, about arts criticism in general and the health of that. Um, there's a lot, I guess, in our current political climate where people are looking um, to make statements and have um, impactful actions. Um, and so we thought it would be a good um, combination to get people to start thinking about how their research, how their practice plays into those ideas uh, without being too prescriptive. And how have you um, found artists that uh, that are doing this? How have you found ways that artists are doing this? That bridging bridging that gap between the, you know, thought and the actual physical doing. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people are are doing it unconsciously, um, and some artists are are very consciously um, political, um, and and so we've got a real mixture of the two. Um, uh, for instance, Kavina Jo Smith, who presented at her work at Newcastle Art Gallery on Friday night, um, Planet Protest, um, her work was all around um, environmental concerns and uh, trying to have people engage with, I guess, expressing their own beliefs in a really um, gentle and inclusive way. So she had made a whole range of protest banners and set up a photo booth at the gallery. And so people could come and choose a banner to pose with. Um, and she'd also made all of these wearables out of recycled materials. Um, so yeah, this is something that I think uh, a lot of artists are, are engaging with and it's just um, programming it um, and bringing them together. 
Yeah, I, one of my favorite things about Tina is how it uses the the beautiful buildings in in Newcastle, and and one example of that is um, the lockup. And um, currently, you well, you have panel discussions. Um, we curated a panel discussion in the lockup, but also yeah. besi- uh-huh. besides beside that. Um, there's a beautiful exhibition space. It's really special. And um, Talia Smith has curated an exhibition um, for critical animals and it's called The Shape of Memory. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about that exhibition? Yeah, sure. Um, well, just to give a bit of context around the lockup, it's, um, it's a historical building. Um, it's an old police station and lockup. So it still has the, the original cells and... Um, exercise yard which is where we do our our panels Um, but it is a contemporary art space now so Talia has done a really fantastic job in in curating it but also um, in engaging with the space and the history around the space um, as part of um, as part of her working with critical animals she and the lockup she did a residency there um, earlier this year um, so she could spend time in the space and really absorb, um, I guess, the history of it. Um, and the way the works all, um, I guess, play together throughout the space is really beautiful. Um, yeah, Annalise Yarn's work hanging in the main gallery, which is this cascading wall of um, silver. Uh, as soon as you walk into the foyer of the gallery, you just see this shimmering light down the cor- corridor, um, which is her work kind of um, having interplay with the Mangano Twins um, video piece opposite. Um, and so she's just done an incredible job in in how the whole um, exhibition seamlessly flows. Um, and if anyone is in Newcastle in the next three weeks, I highly recommend you going and looking at um, the Shape of Memory. It's open until the 15th of October. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, because what I was thinking about, it's a really successful exhibition. And when I was walking through, I was like, I can't believe this is only on for four days. <laughs> that is such a shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the symposium's only on for four days. But um, yes, the the exhibition definitely has to, has to stay for a few more weeks. Um, yeah, there's been so much work into it. And um, it really, really deserves to have a longer stay there. And Julia, on Friday you had an event called The Real World where you got diagnosed at the door apparently and it was an immersive immersive ex- experience exploring disability advocacy. What did that all look like? Yeah, so um, we, Critical Animals, have been working with a group of writers um, for this panel um, over the last few months and... Um, they all identify um, with having a disability, and this might be um, a visible disability, invisible, physical, mental, um, and they wanted to design a panel um, which was for everyone to attend, whether you had a disability or not, um, and to open a conversation around, um, yeah, different... um, different issues people with different disabilities face and I guess um, trying to do that in a way where it was beyond generalizations um, but also opening up like tricky topics that um, people may um, may avoid because they're awkward um, or make them feel uncomfortable and they did a huge amount of work to make the space um, yeah as inclusive um, and adaptable as possible so you could sit on the floor you could sit on the chairs there were weighted cushions for people who um were maybe feeling anxious or yeah uncomfortable in this space um they had some beautiful slides of different artists work from their group Mm. um playing um yeah so it was it was a really incredible panel that was um range from being a conversation with a lot of audience um input to um, presentations of, of their work itself, yeah. And were people actually, like, given a diagnosis, were diagnosed at the at the door Is, to create conversation? Think, yeah, well, I guess the, the idea with that was that 
everyone um, has different different abilities. Um, whether you identify as having a disability or not, and as you move throughout your life, those um, your I guess ability in will change in different ways. Um, and so Kerry Shine, who really led the panel, um, had made um, a whole series of woven beards for people to wear. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. And so um, and a lot of people took them up and they were gifted to the audience as well, which is really incredible. And um, I mean, the panel really opened with um, Kerry talking about how you can often feel invisible, um, especially when you have a very visible disability. So if you are in a wheelchair or, um, you know, walk with a walker and it's incredible how um, people, I guess, choose not to see see people. And that, that was the conversation um, that kicked off the whole panel. Um, and... Yeah, but it was done in a in a very um, yeah a very intentional way of of opening up the discussion to the to the whole audience. Um, wow, that sounds so, that sounds really yeah that sounds really incredible. But um, I'm wondering um, what have you got on for the last day today? Yes, we have. Well, we had one panel this morning, which was um, I think it might be finishing up now. Feminist Pop Tarts, Deconstructing Pop Culture, um, which was for academics and artists talking about the intersection between pop culture and feminism. Uh, then we have Criticism for Accountability coming up at 12.30. Um, and so that's three cultural commentators discussing the current state of arts criticism. Um, and then we also have Questions of Everyday Feeling, Media and the Shaping of Gender. And the panel focuses on how gender... Um, and effects such as joy and laughter and fear are reproduced through physical and um, mediated spaces. So, yeah, we jump around quite a bit today. Um, definitely want to get to the ocean baths for a quick swim, if possible. Cause yeah, it's a priority. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In between all of that. Um, and then we finish off this evening with Ceremony for Lost Natural Connections from um, Brisbane artist Marisa Giorgio. Um, in Civic Park. Oh, great. Well, congratulations on programming such an um, engaging um, program this year. And, um, and thanks for joining us today on Canvas. Thanks so much. Have a good day, Julia. Uh, thanks, now David. we're going we're to head back to our curated tracks. This is from um, a Newcastle um, band that, that were formed in 1992. This is uh, Nassen Bluten with The Lassie Feeling. How long will this song trip take? The trip will take uh, 36 days.
sees his owner and you sort of feel that gush just as you're about, you know, and tears come from your eyes. That's the lassie feeling. You are listening to Canvas Art and Ideas on FBI Radio. Uh, This week, there are a couple of things that we should mention. There's a few call-outs happening. Um, Kudos Gallery are looking for um, exhibitions for next year, the beginning of next year. And also Mm -hmm. Griffin Theatre Company are looking for um, pitches uh, from alternative performance makers. They're having a festival called Batch Festival next year. And so they're looking for, if you've never seen it, at Griffin Theatre before, I guess they want to hear from you. So it's pretty open. It's the first time they've done it. Check it out. Um, Thanks for listening. And thank you to our guests, Julia Mandel, Stephen James Finch and Natty Solo. Canvas is brought to you by a team of artists, Abdul Abdullah, David Capra, Nat Randall and Aurora Scott. Now we're going to go to our very final track from um, Post Motel, who's been curating for the past month. This is John Hopkins' song, um, and it's called Open Eye Signal. But stay tuned for Weekend Lunch with Christy Mofazal. Happy Sunday.
podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.